Hey everyone, how are you doing? Uh, good, good. I'm excited to be um, with you today and preaching and uh, I'm excited that all of you are here in person and for everyone online, welcome and everyone watching later in the week, welcome as well. Uh, we're so happy that you chose to join us here at Eaglemont. So uh, let's get into the sermon. Uh, the series is called One Kingdom Disciple. Uh, I'm just going to quickly explain that in case you haven't been around for a few weeks or you're new. Um, Basically, we want to find ways to make um, every part of our lives in line with the kingdom of God. Because in many of our lives, we have these other kingdoms, you know, other things that have control over us or that we haven't given to God or that don't line up with the kingdom of God or, you know, aren't like what or how Jesus lived. And so uh, the goal here is that we want all those things to come under the kingdom of God and to be one kingdom disciples. Okay, and um, oh. Also, I guess I should introduce myself in case you don't know me. My name is Brennan. I'm the worship and young adults pastor here. Um, and uh, this, this sermon title I was given is called Disciple as Worshipper, Jesus First. And yeah, um, of course, the, the worship pastor is doing the worship message, classic. But um, I was actually given a couple options. I wasn't forced. This isn't a, a little bit of a dictatorship, but not like completely. Um, but I, I, I just like preaching on, on worship, you know, um, because... Every time I study this broad topic, I, I learn something new, and I'm, I'm drawn closer to God. And um, as a worship pastor, you know, I want to have the best understanding I can of worship. So um, it's probably good to hear from other pastors every once in a while, but for now, I, I'm preaching on this, and I'm excited too. Okay, but this, this sermon isn't, uh, isn't a sermon about, about worship on a Sunday morning. It isn't about, about singing and uh, what we do here together at church. Okay, so here's just what the sermon's about. I'll just kind of give you an overview, and then we'll dive into it. So worship is about every part of our lives. It's, it's what we do. It's how we live. And I want to look at this idea through the theme of the image of God and idols in the Bible, okay, which, which might seem weird. But every time I preach, I don't, I don't know. I just I always kind of want to explain something new or maybe that I don't know that much about or uh, just I want to explain something so that as we read our Bibles, maybe we can understand them more, right? Because that's, that's, that's the goal here. It's not for me to or a pastor to sum up the Bible and give you all the Jesus that you need and then you're good for another week or for a month or something. That's not the goal here. What we want here at Eaglemont and what God wants is for all of us to be continually strengthened in our walk with God. Yeah, we want to be encouraged here and drawn closer to God, but we also come here um, for others. You know, it's not just about us. And then the goal is for every day for us to grow stronger and to grow closer to Jesus. So that's why, I don't know, I kind of like explaining or figuring out different things about the Bible as I preach. So this might be a little different, but hopefully it's good. <laughs> um, so yeah, anyway, we have worship, image of God, and idols. Those are kind of things we're talking about. We'll learn about this stuff, and then um, hopefully we'll all come to the conclusion today that to be human is to be the image of God. Okay, and to do that, we must live like Jesus. Okay, this is true worship. Okay, so there are a few things going on uh, here, so let's explore this together. Let's start with worship. Um, like I said, this sermon isn't, is, is more broad than just uh, singing at church. It's more broad than, than a Sunday morning worship. Uh, that's why sometimes at Eaglemont, uh, we say sung worship or worship of giving, because worship isn't just one thing. It's not just songs. It's, those are ways to worship, okay, but that isn't everything. Everything. Um, 
And if we want to learn more about sung worship, if you want to learn more about sung worship, uh, you can email me or the church office. About, about a year and a half ago, we did um, a Sunday morning focused on worship, and it still has been one of, my, uh, one of my favorite Sunday mornings here, and it was just some good teaching on worship. So if you kind of don't know why we sing at church, uh, let me know. I'll send that to you, or I'll send you some resources to read if you want, or stuff like that. But we do it every week. I think it's important to know about. But uh, this, this sermon's a little bit more broad. Okay, so... Let's look at worship as like a whole way of life. Because um, I think culturally, like if you, um, or worship is just seen as a religious thing, right? Like if you asked someone who doesn't go to church what they worship, I don't think they'd have an answer. I think they just look at you weird. Um, it's just seen as a religious thing, okay? But, but really, I think everyone is worshiping all the time, no matter what they believe or don't believe, okay? We have this natural inclination to worship. We as humans have this, you know, natural inclination to elevate things, to praise people or raise them up or raise up ideas that we think are more important than other things. And that we might not view that constantly as worship, but that's exactly what it is. Right? Again, worship isn't just singing. You know, you worship what you value most. Okay, that's, that's the way I like to think about it. You worship what you value most because you, you, you adore that one thing. You rearrange your life so that that's the most important thing, so that that's at the top. You sacrifice for that one thing. Whether you're sacrificing money, time, relationships, energy, you sacrifice something for something else. So you're worshiping that thing. Anything we orientate our lives around, we are inherently saying that this is the most important thing, right? We're ascribing value to it. We're praising it. We're worshiping it. We're all worshiping constantly. Every, everything we do is worship. We worship all the time because we're, we're actually we're created to worship. Okay, really, humans were created to, to love God, to obey him, to know him, and to put him first. And all that is worshiping. But if we love someone else, if we um, value something else before God, if we obey something or someone else, then we're, then we're worshiping that. Okay, so that's why I say we're created to worship, because it's like every decision is worship to something. Um, okay, but I want to dive into the idea of what we're actually created for. Okay, if we're created to worship, maybe we can look at the creation story and figure out a little bit more about what we're created for, what this looks like, what we're supposed to do. Okay, um, so we come to Genesis 1, 26 to 28. So flip to the first page of your Bibles, get ready to highlight or take notes or something, okay? Because uh, this is important. So here we are on the sixth day of the creation story, right? In the story, God has created everything except for humans at this point. So in Genesis 1, 26 to 28, uh, it says, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image, to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, and all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Rain over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and, and the animals that scurry along the ground. Okay, so this is the first, first chapter in the Bible. Okay, it's setting up themes that will continue through the whole Bible. Okay, and there's five verses on humanity in this first chapter. And, in, and three times in those five verses, God chose to say that humans were made in the image of God. Okay, three times. It's like, why is that necessary? But that's, that's clearly important then. Okay, in, in ancient literature, in the Bible, um, 
one of the main ways to, to bring emphasis and focus was just repetition. Okay, so look for that as you're reading your Bible. If something's, you know, it's like, oh, these verses are really harping on this image of God thing, it's probably important. We should probably take a moment and ask, okay, well, why is that here? Why is that emphasized here? How does that change, you know, who we are or how we view God or any of that? Those are good things to ask. Because uh, we shouldn't just be reading um, the Bible as just, oh, it's just a story, right? Sometimes we think like, oh, here's how God created the earth. Okay, but God is trying to teach us something. He's trying to show you his character, trying to draw us into relationship, trying to show you what your life should look like so that um, your life can be fulfilled and full of passion and joy. Um, so we need to question things about the Bible. Okay, so let's focus on the image of God. Like I said, it's repeated three times. And um, I've always heard this like explained, or at least, at, you know, growing up in the church, I was kind of always just taught like, okay, we're made in the image of God. Um, that means humans have souls, emotions, and creative capabilities and capacity. We can think critically, all that stuff. And that sets us apart from other creation. So we're more like God than anything else in creation. Okay, and, and yeah, that, that's all true. That's all true. And, but I think it misses the point a little bit about what it means to be um, the image of God. Like this is, this is the Bible. It's a very, it's a book with a lot of, <laughs> lot of things going on. And there's always kind of more to learn. We can understand things at a surface level, but there's always more underneath. Not like, I've cracked the code <laughs> or something. Not like a Nicolas Cage national treasure type deal. Um, but, but more just like every time we come back, we can learn something new. Every time we come back, there's something more going on. So let's study this. Um, so it's repeated three times. Image of God. Humans are made in the image of God. Okay. Okay. So then why would God say that? Why would God make us in his image? Okay, so we need to look at the original kind of context for the Israelites and the, the, the surrounding nation or surrounding nations uh, at the time that this was written at the time of the story. So um, in the ancient world, to be made in the image of God was a description reserved for, for two things. It's in, in all the other cultures. It was that referred to idols or kings. Okay, kings kind of had this, this idea that they can you know, rule and that they are sort of the representation of the gods for the people. So they defined right and wrong. They did whatever they want kind of, kind of deal. Um, and the other way was for idols, right? The other um, image of God referred to idols, actually. So Genesis uses the phrase image of God. It uses the original Hebrew word salem, okay? And that meant image. But salem is also often translated as idols in our Bible, Okay, so image and idol can be swapped out for each other if you understand them correctly, which is weird because most of the time it's like, oh, idols are bad, idols, that's always bad, but image is usually the image of God or something good. But it's the same word. <laughs> um, it's just the way that we understand it. So if you're familiar with the Old Testament, you would have, um, you, you probably would have heard about idols or even if you like have heard the Ten Commandments before, right? The second, um, the second commandment is you shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. Okay, and as I grew up in church, again, maybe you were explained it this way. I was usually explained like an idol is anything that takes priority over God, right? Any, any, anything that takes place of God, anything we worship other than God. Um, so a lot of stuff can be idols. And that's how I grew up to understand this, and that's definitely like a true sentiment, and that's good thinking and a good thing to like apply to our lives. It's like, oh, okay, what, is, what are the idols in my life? 
But again, there's, there's, there's more to it. There's something uh, missing with that explanation. And um, yeah, like it's the same for the, the whole Bible, kind of like I said, there's always more. Okay, so let's get into this. Let's understand idols a little bit. Um, not like, not, not American Idol, um, just, just idols in the Bible. Although like, do you remember how good that show was? I was just kind of thinking about this. Like, I don't know if it's still going on or if people are still watching it and now there's like 20 different singing shows. But in the early days, even in elementary school, I remember kids talking about American Idol. And that's because the auditions were the best part. Does, does anyone else watch this? Like, where we all just, as a nation, and I guess Canada and America, were like, yes, let's watch the show so we can make fun of people that are bad at singing. <laughs> like, we're all just, we're all, we are all very united uh, with bullying, I guess, which is probably not the best thing, but it is, it is what made the show great. And uh, I'm not gonna get into the moral ambiguity of that, of making fun of people, but come on, that show was, was amazing. When it was mean, which you know, I think they probably got nicer and then it got boring, so. <laughs> um, anyway, idols. To the Israelites, who are God's people, um, God's chosen people and the people that we follow through the whole Old Testament, through the whole part, first half of the Bible, really. An idol is not a famous person. It's not someone that you idolize or adore, right? An, an idol or an image was a reflection or an embodiment of a god. Okay, so in the surrounding cultures, people had idols maybe in their homes, uh, but mainly they were in temples so that people could go to the temple and worship this god that it represented. The idols were not seen as actual gods. They weren't seen as... Powerful, just, just an image of a god. Um, just an image of the divine. Okay, so now jumping back to the second commandment, or the Ten Commandments, God told us not to make idols. Okay, why? Okay, there's a few, there's a few reasons. One, because uh, in that culture, idols usually meant that you're worshiping other gods, which historically the gods and the religion surrounding Israel were like, usually terrible, like really messed up morality, really messed up versions of right and wrong, stuff involved child sacrifice and other crazy stuff. So it's God's like, yeah, don't make idols because that's probably, you're going to these other religions that are just going to mess you up. And God had better morals and a better plan for his people. Okay, uh, so that's the first reason. The second reason I, I actually, I really wanted to get into, um, I, I spent way too much time researching this second reason that I had, and then it was like 10 minutes long to explain well, so I cut it. Um, but here's the summed up version. Okay, the second reason why God uh, would have said, don't make idols, is because the human temptation is to actually make an idol that represents God. Okay, not, not a different God, but actually God. And the problem with that is because in reality, you know, humans want to make God into an image they want. A temptation that we have sometimes is we want to make God or Jesus into like our image. And I kind of see this sometimes, is that people's ideas of God end up more reflecting them than they end up or we end up reflecting God. We kind of have it backwards. We make God into something that we want. Okay, and that I think is a blind spot for, for many of us and um, you know, it's just like, oh, God and Jesus kind of always line up with their political views and their morals, and, and we make God into our image. We make God something less than, than he is. Um, okay, 
that's all I have time to talk about that one, because, again, I could have gone very deep into that. But, okay, the third reason for no idols, like I said before, is that um, in the original language, image and idol, same word, right? So the reason God didn't want to make an image, God didn't want us to make an image or an idol of him was because God already did that, right? The creation story, um, three times, God says, humanity, humans, male and female, they were made in the image of God. Okay, so it's like, don't, don't focus on trying to make an image of God. You are the image of God. You have to focus on, on being the image of God. Every human has this built into their DNA. Every human has this uh, amazing value because of that, because we're made in the image of God. Okay, so God didn't want us to create an image for him because we are meant to be the image of God. All right, and what does that mean? How do we, how do we understand this? Um, how do we be the image of God? Okay, again, I think we can look at uh, the creation story. And we can see, again, in the creation story, when God says um, humans are made in the image of God, it's, it's immediately like, tied to what the Bible says as like ruling or reigning over the earth or the animals or governing it or uh, like being fruitful and multiply, right? It's, it's just all tied with that, with humanity ruling over the earth. And it's like, well, I don't know, what does that mean? Well, if, if we look at actually like what Adam and Eve did, um, they were gardeners, right? That's, that's all they, they were. That's, I guess, God's version of ruling is just taking care of the earth, taking care of each other. Um, they would use the earth to create something, to push humanity forward. That's God, God's idea of us ruling, I guess. Okay, so, um, right, in Genesis it says, then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Okay, so it just kind of seems like a normal life at that point. Like you're just gardening, you're just living, but the thing was that it was actually like the perfect life. Before there was sin, there was no pain. Um, all the work would have been fulfilling and you would just have this perfect community with, with God and with humanity and it was this perfect idea of what life can be and should be. And then instead uh, you know, of living God's way and ruling the way that God wanted, humanity sinned and act selfishly and kind of defined right and wrong for ourselves. And then so now we're where we are in the, in the Israelite story. And throughout the Old Testament, after sin entered the world, it's just like, okay, humanity's just messed up, and they keep failing, and even their best kings and leaders were still failing in incredible ways, and no one could live up to this idea that they need to be the image of God, and this idea of how to rule on this earth. Okay, and that's in the story, that's why we needed Jesus, right? We had this garden, this place when we can be the image of God and, and live these, these perfect, peaceful lives. And then it's messed up, and only Jesus can then show us how to return to that in some way. There's, there's many reasons and many um, things to explain of why Jesus had to come and die for us. Okay, but this is one of them. Jesus came to the earth to show us how to rule, to show us how to be the image of God, to show us how to be fully human. 
Okay, so if, if we're created to be the image of God, then actually to be fully human is to be the image of God, which, which is a cool idea because so many times I think we look at the life of Jesus and it's like, oh, that's how we be more like God. And yes, that's true. But it's also how we be more human. Jesus was the perfect human. So it's like to be our full selves is to be more like God, which I think is cool. It's not forcing some thing that you have to like really, you know, try and try and try and all this stuff. It's just being yourself, but in God's way is actually how to be human. So anyway, Jesus came and Israel was expecting this king. They were expecting Jesus to be this military power that would like take over the world and, and rule it and everything would be God's kingdom like Israel kind of was before. Okay, but that didn't happen. Jesus came and instead of ruling that way, it was just this, this upside-down kingdom of Jesus where he shows us how to rule by serving people. We see Jesus washing people's feet. We see Jesus taking care and loving the people that are seen as less in that, in that time. Um, we see Jesus sacrificing himself and dying on a cross. All this stuff, all this stuff is actually God's way to rule the earth. It's actually the way to be human is to be like Jesus, is to serve others, is to be a sacrifice. And the way to be, you know, the way to be the image of God, the way to be like Jesus, that is all worship. Like, like I said, it's this, worship is this broad topic. It, it means everything. So if we want to narrow it down a little bit, we can worship by being the image of God in this world, by reflecting God to other people. Okay, Paul in uh, Romans 12.1 says, that our true worship is to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. Okay, which is, that's what Jesus did. And, you know, we can, we can sing all the worship songs uh, we want, but unless we're loving God and loving others and our, our communities and loving our enemies, then we're not actually worshiping. Okay, and then our sung worship is just hypocritical or empty. And not that you have to be perfect to, to worship God or to sing on a Sunday morning. Absolutely you don't. And, um, yeah, no one's ever going to be perfect. And we don't need to, the amazing thing with God is we don't need to be at a certain level to actually connect with him. But we don't want our, the words we sing where we say we worship God and we love him, and then we don't want our lives to be completely opposite, where we go and do whatever we want instead every other day of the week. Okay, maybe some of us only have a relationship with Jesus on a Sunday morning or when they come to church. And, And that's the issue. Jesus is showing us a way to live and a way to be human that changes our every moment and our every day. Okay, and this is what I love about seeing Jesus through the light uh, or through the lens of Jesus showing us how to rule and to steward over the earth and showing us how to be the image of God. It's because it brings Jesus into our everyday life. Okay, it brings Jesus into every part of our lives that we might have never seen as, you know, being, you know, Jesus being able to be there. It's like when I'm picking up groceries, can Jesus be a part of that? Well, yeah, because at every moment we can be the image of God to this world. There's no separation of I do Christian stuff on Sunday and maybe when I read my Bible or pray or small groups, but the rest of my life is I just kind of do what I want. I just kind of am living in a way that I want or, or whatever. There's, there's, that doesn't line up with the life of Jesus. That doesn't line up with the Bible. Everything we do, 
should be done to be the image of God to people in the world. Everything we do then becomes worship to Jesus. You know, whatever you do for work, whatever you do with your friends, with your family, it's all part of following Jesus. And we need to let Jesus into these areas to be truly the image of God and to be truly human. Okay, and I don't know where that, um, where that line is, you know, you know, because sometimes it, in my mind, it's like, how do I be like Jesus when I just need a nap, <laughs> right? But um, either way, Jesus wants to be a part of our every life or everyday life of every situation. We can work on normal jobs for him. We can take care of our families for him like he would if he was us. Okay, so to be fully human is to be the image of God. And to do that, we must live like Jesus, the true image of God. Okay, now to be the image of God, as, as I wrap up, I just want to say a couple things. To be the image of God seems like, I just, if I say that, it sounds like a heavy burden, right? It's like, how am I supposed to do that? Okay, so a, a couple things like that. I don't want us to think of it as this heavy burden because it's, it's really not. Like, like I said, to be the image of God, to be like Jesus, is to actually be fully human, which means the more we grow in God, the more we actually become our true selves. Okay, and there, we, we become who we are created to be, who we actually are, and there's nothing more freeing than that. It might seem like, it might seem difficult in the moment, but there's nothing more freeing than being like what God has called you to be. It's not this heavy burden of a religion. It is this freeing gift of a relationship. Draw closer to Jesus and let him change you. Let him show you how to live, how to be human, how to be the image of God. Let Jesus show you the meaning of worship. Okay, and, and the second thing I just want to say about being the image of God is that um, it's about a relationship with Jesus. That's all we can do to become more like God. It's by growing in a relationship with Jesus. So here's the challenge for us, for you this week. I want to challenge you to try and be the image of God in a new area of your life. Ask for the Holy Spirit's guidance, and we should be doing that. We need that every day, every moment, every hour. Ask him, where is an area that I have not allowed you to move? What, what kingdom of mine have I kept separate? Where am I not being the image of God in my life? Whether that's your family, your time alone, maybe it's a sin that you're trying to hide and cover up or to get past, maybe it's your workplace or the little moments of like cleaning up after your kids or something, like whatever it is, God wants to be a part of it and he wants to use you to show people his love today. And today, if you want to start um, a relationship with Jesus and follow him, you can text the word Jesus to the number you see on the screen. And we'd be so excited, like 10 out of 10 excited to get that text from anyone today. If you are wanting to start a relationship with Jesus and you text that number, all it'll be is just us trying to uh, help you in starting that relationship. We'll, we can walk with you through that. And uh, yeah, we'd love to get that text because the life or living your life for Jesus isn't meant to be done alone. It's meant to be done in community. So um, yeah, text that number and we'd be so excited to hear from you. Also, you can do that any time of the week. If you're watching later, um, that's always up. So today, um, we are the image of God in the world. Okay, so let's worship him through that calling in our lives as we live every day for God.
I'm just going to pray to wrap up as Joel comes up. And I'm just going to pray for you and just open your hearts to what God has for you today and, and where he wants to lead you this week or this next day or wherever it is. God, we thank you for your love. God, we thank you that um, what you have called us to be is not this incredibly heavy burden of trying to be good enough, but God, it's just a relationship with Jesus. And Lord, we want to allow you to move into every parts of our lives. God, we want to be the image of God in our world today because we know that our world needs you. We know that our world needs more of your love and your peace and the life that you offer. So Holy Spirit, we just ask that you strengthen us for this week, that you lead us for this week, and may we see every moment of our every day as worship to you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.